from Workhouse Connect and A.J. Benza. Fame. Uh, he liked to be walked on a leash and play really dirty, kinky sex games. He's a... The guy put the cock in the Peacock Network, okay? Bitch. Hey, everybody. A.J. Benza here with Fame is a Bitch. This is your show for Friday, April 17th, 2020. Got through another week. It never ceases to amaze me how every month besides March, the weeks just seem to fly by. And I'm more than happy about that. I had a lot of talks today. Went and saw my doctor and got his take on what's happening down the road and what we got to be careful for. Went to see my pharmacist, who I actually respect more than my doctor, to be honest with you. Just talked to a lot of people who have uh, some knowledge on different angles of this pandemic and what we're doing. And basically, what I have to report is no one knows what's going to happen. No one is quite sure what's going to happen in the ensuing months. They all have their opinions. They all think, yeah, we got to get back to work, but we got to be careful, blah, blah, blah. And the truth of the matter is we do. Um, And probably, I don't know if a lot of you have seen this, um, this bit on the Internet that has flashed by and become not a meme, but it's been something that people have been posting. Not even sure if it's true because I haven't had the time to Google what, what people were saying during the fucking Spanish, uh, Spanish flu. But apparently this is the part of the story I think is kind of suspect. There was a piece of an alleged article that appeared where people were talking about the quote unquote social distancing put in place Back in 1917. I'm not sure that was even a phrase back then, but maybe it was. Maybe that's how we say it now, because that's the way it was said back then. I don't know. The point is, somebody wrote in a newspaper that, hey, you know, um, people are demanding to live freer and do more. They're, they're, They're tired of being cooped up. They need to be out. And as a result, when the war ended, people began to go out perhaps a little bit too soon And according to this piece of news that's floating around, um, you know, uh, once people went out again and felt that things were okay, a lot more people died. In fact, more people died than died during the World War. I don't know how if any of that is true, where this comes from. I just know it's made the rounds. Uh, Maybe some of you have seen it. It's it's something to think about, because, look. Whenever we do get back up and running, I don't mean running like the old days, because that's going to take a long fucking time. And we're never going to be a country where where you can look at a crowd of people and not see one person wearing a mask. People are going to be wearing masks for the rest of your life. You're going to see that. It's going to look like the way China has looked. And I remember looking at pictures in China or even seeing Asian people here in California driving by in the car six, seven months ago, five, six years ago, wearing a mask. And I go, what the fuck is wrong with these people? You don't want my germs. I want your fucking germs. You know, what can I tell you? I'm happy that there's some investigating going on that, uh, hey, this might have happened in a lab in Wuhan and maybe the Chinese made a mistake. Uh, a lot of people want us to shy away from thinking it was done on purpose. Michael Savage podcast yesterday was like adamant that we cannot think that China might have done this on purpose because it would have hurt them as well and their economy and their great big economic dreams and, and their plans. I don't know. 
I definitely think it began in a lab. And maybe there was one prick in that lab who didn't give a shit if he was safe or not. And this is uh, this is the result. That's what I kind of think. But I also think there might have been someone in there who maybe expedited this horrific uh, situation upon us. But the bottom line is, it's never going to be the same again. We've got millions of Americans thrown out of work by government closures in response to this pandemic. And one way of trying to save some of those jobs was the Paycheck Protection Program, which gives out loans to small businesses and gives them incentives to keep their people employed. But along comes our favorite chomper, Nancy Pelosi. She's bragging about blocking additional funding for the Paycheck Protection Program that's been saving jobs. And she can do that, Speaker of the House. She's been rich forever. What does she care if millions are thrown out of their of their jobs and shit? She doesn't give a shit. The House beat this out of Washington and won't be meeting on anything until May 4th. You know, it's not like we're in the middle of a fucking emergency and people might need that money to live and stay afloat. Doesn't bother old Nancy. But just so you know how much she cares, Pelosi, I don't know if you saw this, gave us a wonderful tour, a very Marie Antoinette type let them eat cake tour. Oh, God, James Corden interviewed her uh, from her luxurious San Francisco home up on the fucking hill. You know, a couple of stories above where people are shitting all over the streets and shooting drugs at the same time. And in that home, she's in her kitchen and she's got her two wonderfully constructed, built-in, shiny refrigerators worth $24,000. Now, if you've lost your job or you got trouble getting any kind of food or supplies for you, your house or your kids, maybe you can't pay your mortgage or your rent, wasn't it a great thing to see Pelosi talk with James Corden about how she keeps her spirits up during these trying times? It certainly didn't look like there's any trying times in her home. Showing off her fucking ritzy commercial-grade appliances, which, by the way, were jam-packed with $14 pints of designer ice cream in her freezer. And the big pussy, James Corden, ah, the biggest pussy in all of late night, he's ooing and aahing as she's moving around the kitchen, and he... Oh, he finally goes, oh, I always knew I had a connection to you. Yes, and she's laughing back. with. It was almost like a gay guy and an old coot were trying to make a date. It was disgusting. But the, the sheer cluelessness of all this at this point in time really should make your fucking head spin. I don't care if you're a liberal or a conservative. Just think of what this looks like, people. Come on. You want to make fun of Donald Trump wanting his signature on the checks? I tend to agree with you. I still got money from Cuba that has Che Guevara's name on it. I think it's the biggest ego play in the world. I don't know what to tell you. It's not something I like. But fucking Nancy, the shit she's done lately, asking for 25 mil for the Kennedy Center. Then they go and fire their fucking employees. You know how much money she's, she's gotten for hedge fund people? And look. I'm going to call a spade a spade. Trump went ahead and gave it to her. They got friends in high places. But, you know, she's such a 
clueless idiot. It's normal for her. She doesn't get how bad this looks. She doesn't understand how clueless she sounds when she says, we just, the refrigerator just got stocked after Easter. We just restocked the refrigerator after Easter. And don't forget, I had some dim sum in February. Yeah, we know. We know. Why don't you try slopping more polygrip on your fucking face? Anyhow, today's show brought to you by Ritual. Look, we all want to do the right thing, keep our bodies healthy, especially in these times and especially in the long run. But even if we try really hard to eat the kale salads and drink the green smoothies on a daily basis, most of us, most of us, we're not getting the essential nutrients we need on a daily basis. Now, that's where Ritual comes in and does a bang-up job. This is the obsessively researched vitamin for women. It's got the essential nutrients all women need, and you're not getting enough of these from food. It's very clean. It's in an absorbable form. No no additives or ingredients that uh, can harm your body, okay? Two easy-to-take capsules. You get nine nutrients in there, ladies, to support a strong foundation for your health. My wife's been taking them, and i got to tell you, I'm not bullshitting you. She wasn't her best self when we left our home several months ago. She's been taking Ritual. And I'm not going to get too personal about what has been ailing her, but so much of what that stuff was has cleared up and she feels better. Now, of course, enter the COVID-19 disaster. So everybody's kind of has a, has a pall over their heads, but she looks and feels better. And I have to point to ritual as the reason why. From D3 to omega-3, it's got everything women need. It fills gaps in your diet. Put it that way. It's a no-nausea capsule design, gentle on an empty, empty stomach, and there's a mint tab in every bottle to keep things fresh. And if you're really obsessive about reading labels, all of Ritual, vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, allergen-free, come on, you can't get better than that. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now, Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps of your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit Ritual.com slash fame to start your Ritual today. That's 10% off during the first three months at Ritual.com slash fame. While we're talking about tone-deaf idiots, which has been the, the, the theme here for, for at least a month, I swear, I don't know how some people see themselves. It boggles my mind. This is insane, though. So many of you might know who Aisha Curry is. If not, she's the wife of NBA superstar Steph Curry. You might have seen her on a lot of championship uh, interviews and what have you. Attractive lady, always by her husband's side. Actually protects him a lot when shit gets dicey. When they lost in the finals, she was right there giving it back to fans who were giving Steph shit. She's being sued by a celebrity branding company. They want more than $10 million bucks from her for a breach of contract. The company's called Flutie Entertainment. They say that they were cut out of a lot of profits. And and, and they, you know, they, they signed her to a five-year agreement, which ended in 2019. Now, apparently, Aisha Curry went to them, ready, trying to build herself into a global brand. And she signed a deal with them in 2014. Now, Robert Flutie, who owns the company, obviously, 
He says the five years that they worked for Aisha Curry, they brought her significant and unprecedented results. She was hired as a host on Food Network. She uh, she was on ABC and did the Great American Baking Show. So Flutie says in the lawsuit, it's been denied shares of the proceeds from the business and the value of the company has been devalued since the agreement ended. Listen, they want monetary damages because she's been she landed deals to produce a best-selling cookbook and uh, she's becoming involved in other food-based gigs. With everything going on, A, what are you doing launching lawsuits? I, I can't fathom that. But B, not for nothing, who has balls big enough to approach a company and say, I think I'm a global brand. I want to be a global fucking brand. I, I, it's not because she's a woman. I just can't fathom having the balls to say that. It's not enough that she's got a beautiful family, three kids, wonderful husband. He's worth a hundred million bucks. NBA champion. Children are beautiful. What is she doing? And then the joke was on me. Am I the only one who didn't know this woman is worth sixteen million dollars because of her fucking cookbooks? What am I doing wrong? I got to get my book off this fucking laptop and into my agent's hands. This is ridiculous. There's no way this bitch can cook better or write better. But here she is, a multi-million dollar entrepreneur. I don't, where have I been? I didn't know anything about this. Who's buying what she's selling? Is the joke on me or is it on all of us? I tell you, these people who have money know so much more than you and I know. It's ridiculous. Like, like we all know George and Amal Clooney are loaded. We get it. The Italian villa, the Los Angeles mansions, the estates everywhere, vineyards, a tequila company. And that's not even counting Amal's legal career. They didn't want this found out, but it broke a couple of days ago. George and Amal Clooney forked out about 115 grand for a playhouse for their two two-year-old twins, complete with a zip line, air conditioning, and a life-size giraffe. I'd rather live in their place than where I'm living right now. How do you like that? They built a two-story den that that's the exact, well, it mirrors the plans of their main home. And it comes complete with a kitchen and a bathroom with running water. Why the fucking kids need a kitchen? I have no idea. Maybe Aisha Curry's going to come over and whip some soul food up. I don't know. Now, they had some help. They actually called in a specialist, a playhouse specialist. You ready for this? Barbara Butler is a specialist in designing playhouses. And, of course, they went into their big political fucking uh, hookups And they got Barack Obama's former Oval Office designer, Michael S. Smith. And he helped design the interior. Because, you know, two-year-old twins, they need the the, the, the fucking touch of the man who helped design the fucking White House. Give me a break. The Playhouse is just another one in a series of major renovations that these two are undertaking. They spent a million bucks on a new pool house recently and living quarters for their staff, which is nice. Listen, I don't begrudge them that. I, I, you always, I always tell you, you got money, you want to make your life nice, go right ahead. But a bigger question might be, since Amal gave birth to these twins, Ella and Alexander, back in 2017, where the hell have they been? 
George and Amal have a combined net worth of a half a billion dollars, okay? And, I mean, uh, they they donated recently, to their credit, they donated a million dollars toward the Chinese Flu Relief Fund, which I got to take my hat off. But they also count, you know, they cut a lot of checks to organizations that promote gun control. They also cut checks to organizations that want open borders. And, of course, their big checks go to organizations which is read George Soros, that go toward defeating Donald Trump in next year's election. That's something you never hear about anymore. But George Clooney used to always be around Obama and talk in politics. And some say he's been on the phone a lot and holding meetings with Obama about making a political run. You've seen pictures of those guys on boats together and shit like that. They're chums. I could totally see it. Of course, all of you who think he's been banging your boy, but banging young boys over in Lake Cuomo, probably think he's got too many skeletons in his closet. Not only is there that rumor, there was also the rumor about the little boy dying on the moped, allegedly leaving Clooney's estate, and how George had to run out there and fix it up and talk to Italian authorities and pay people off. Probably not true at all. Both of those rumors. I'll never believe George Clooney's gay. I've been through this and down this line Many times with you guys, and it all stems from the fact that when I was with Krista Allen, the beautiful actress, and she kept talking about George when we were out on a date, I fucking called him and said, come right now. Come to this bar I'm at, okay? You've got to be with this girl. You're the only thing she talks about. And he came and met us, and we had some tequila shots, and we sat down, and I was with Joey as well. And before you know it, George and Krista left, and they were together for almost two years. So I'm, I feel like I know a lot more about his sexual preferences, unless he's just a gigantic liar and Krista Allen pulled the wool over my eyes. I'll never believe that. But the bigger, more realistic story is, can we talk about Amal Clooney's background? Do we know what it is? You know, what do we know about her? Yeah, if you look at the PR, the dossier that they've put together, it claims she's a strong, fierce, independent, international human rights lawyer who just happened to snag the most notorious bachelor of all time. But that statement is incredibly misleading because of language misinterpretation, guys. There are a few deductions, of course, that you can make after you connect the dots between her legal caseload, uh, her family connections, and some of the political people she aligns herself with. A lot of people out there say their marriage is designed to uh, facilitate a global governing rule of law. Pretty deep, right? You got people around them like George Soros, Vartan Gregorian, Obama, the Clintons. Listen, a lot of shit is happening around those two. There's a lot of talk about Islamophobia, hate speech, the refugee crisis, and there are legal cases led by Amal Clooney at the ICC that are, for want of a better word, propagandized by George. Listen, she's not a poor refugee from Lebanon who fights for democracy. This woman is anti-Israel, anti-West, pro-United Nations, and one percenter from a very wealthy family who makes a fortune from terrorism, from war, from anti-Semitism, and all the forms of hate. 
Amal Clooney is the exact opposite of everything she claims to be publicly, and no one puts her feet to the fire because she's so lovely and she looks so great in a dress and a gown and the red carpet. Avon Ghoul. Amal Clooney and her family are not our friends. They should be treated as enemies of Western democracies. But being on George Clooney's arm is just what her PR team needed. So I doubt there'll be any presidential run for Clooney in the near future. He looks like he could certainly walk in there and get the job Maybe not done, but he can look like he can get the job done. He could be the white Obama. Unless the people who say the marriage is a fake, some people say he's gay, maybe they're all correct. In which case, maybe he can make a run in eight years when he's divorced and living back in America. I don't know. But by the way, does anybody know what these twins look like? Some people are convinced while Clooney lives in Italy, Amal and the children are mostly in the States year-round. All I know is it's a very suspect relationship. And that's even weirder to me, because it wasn't long ago when I used to call this guy, well, it was, you know, 17 years ago. But he'd come over the hill to meet me. You know, what a strange part of my life. When I think back on those days, all I wanted to do was have fun. Like I never, all I cared about were girls, fun, dinner, wine, drugs, you name it. I just wanted to have fun. Nothing was really serious for me. But I, you know, I can't go mad. I can't go crazy. But I had, I had all their ears and eyes. I should have been smarter. Eh, what are you going to do? Let's focus now on Prince Harry and Meghan Markle, who continue to fuck up. They had a big reason to celebrate next month. Their son, Archie, his first birthday, May 6th. But it turns out he's not going to get that big, fancy birthday party of Harry and Rachel's dreams. Let's call her her real name. Harry and Rachel's dreams of of Archie's big birthday are not going to come true. Uh, It's been canceled due to the Chinese flu. See, Harry and Meghan hope to combine Archie's first year birthday with a welcome to L.A. party for themselves. Let's face it, that was the big reason. But the other day, the L.A. mayor, Eric Garcetti, extended the shelter-in-place order to May 15th, and some even say it's going to be a lot longer. So that big party had to be canceled. And that's really a shame because... You know, Archie's a child of very rich parents and and one parent with Hollywood connections. And the guest list for his L.A. party, well, it sounds like the fucking VIP section of the Vanity Fair's Oscar party. Now, they got a long list of celebrity friends. But listen, for a one-year-old's birthday party, you got to invite James Corden. Of course, that pussy, he's everywhere. James Corden, Ellen DeGeneres, Oprah Winfrey, Idris Elba, Tom Hardy. What? Serena Williams, Elton John, and of course, George and Amal. And Megan's school friend, Catherine McPhee, who obviously lives in L.A. and has been banging the Grammy-winning music producer, David Foster, who she eventually married. They're also invited, too. It's not going to happen, though. And, you know, people are saying, look, as as special as Archie turning one would have been, it's not the time. We've got to take safety more seriously. But they said it's a shame because his birthday without the lockdown would have been the perfect opportunity to host a welcome to L.A. bash. That really was the big reason for this. It was all for Rachel to be seen. 
Yeah, it would have been the perfect event, especially since she's no longer a royal, which means she no longer has to worry about British taxpayers giving her a lot of shit for how much money she spent on a party. You can do that in Malibu all day long. No one cares. In fact, they want you to spend more. If you spend less, they give you the side eye. It's the opposite of England. Just think how they could have made this party grand. And I know they want to raise this kid normal. They keep saying that. But these are fucking L.A. parents now, okay? There is no normal. And if they really want to give Archie a regular life in Los Angeles, you know, pretty soon he'll have to have that little Mercedes Benz that you caught that little golf cart that kids get. You're going to see him ripping up and down the streets of Malibu with that. Like, like so many regular kids around America. But let's face it, Rachel has to be crushed that she's not going to be surrounded by her A-list celebrity friends. She's not going to be the center of attention. And, you know, where is she going to hear people say, how you doing? How have you been? That's all she cares about. And these big blowout birthday parties for one-year-olds, they're for adults. They're not for kids. Let's call a spade a spade. All this little boy needs is a mommy, a daddy, a couple of toys, and maybe a fucking dog. That's it. Good to go. And why the fuck are Oprah and Ellen on an invite for a one-year-old's party? They're not, they're not moms. You know, they don't really mesh with children. What well, the only times they do on their shows in the past, they can't wait to get the kid off stage. You know, they, they're going to strut out little Archie like a, some fucking show pony whenever they need attention. That's the game plan for Harry and Rachel. And I'm sure Archie's devastated that all these big celebrities are not going to be there to ring in his first birthday. Listen, I hope they're putting away some money for therapy for this kid because in six to seven years, that's where he's going to be. He's going to need it. What these two could have done, not for nothing, they could have quietly donated $100,000, you know, because that's probably what was going to be spent on the fucking birthday. Give it to a woman's shelter. Give it to some needy place. I know they went around and had food delivered the other day, which I think was a decent idea, but executed real stupidly with this virus going around and you have a little kid. Why subject yourself to this disease? People deliver cold cars to have it done for you. The only reason why they wanted to be there was for the goddamn photo op. Do things quietly. That's how you really show people you care. And and to have a party right now, who is thinking of a party with so many people suffering? It just doesn't make sense. I'd be so embarrassed if I was on that list right now. The fucking world is melting. And you're going to go to some kid's fucking birthday party? I don't think so. And by the way, I hope you stopped and listened and thought about this for a while. Megan's friend is Catherine McPhee. They don't make enough of that. There's a lot to be said about those two being friends in school. And if you look at the trajectory of their lives, oh boy, they had a lot of things on their mind besides just having gainful employment. Everything they've been doing lately has been an epic fail. Not to not the least of which were how how they were mocked after they failed to register a website. They they failed to register Archwell for the new charitable foundation. 
and then fans and followers who typed in archwellfoundation.com were diverted to a YouTube video of Kanye West singing Gold Digger. Jamie Foxx, actually. Harry and Rachel announced they were launching this new charitable foundation called Archwell, but they didn't register the fucking domain name. They're losing it. They're trying everything they can do to be important, to be famous, to be, which is sad to say because they're already worldwide famous, but they need to be on the spot famous. They need people to call them and go, what a great thing you guys just did. This is a sick desire to be seen and heard and, and, and relished. And every move they make has backfired. Is it any wonder now that the big story in some of the papers today was how badly Harry feels out of place and how secretly he's told some friends allegedly he misses England? It's all going to happen, guys. Inside two years, this whole thing's going to combust. Megan will stay here. She'll fuck her way to the middle again. Archie will be a problem kid, end up like fucking Paris Jackson, do some independent movies, put 16 tats on his body, and Harry will be back in England doing the good work that some royals do. I've seen it too many times. It shouldn't surprise you at all. I'm AJ Benzer. That was your show for April 17th, 2020, and I'll talk to you Monday. Thank you for listening. Fame is a Bitch is an A.J. Benza Workhouse Connect production featuring the endless wisdom, insightful commentary, and sometimes fucked up perspective of A.J. Benza. Executive producer, Mike Agavino. Technical producer, Brian Vasquez.